Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Manscaped, our new major sponsors on the Rugby League Guru podcast, have just launched in Australia. We've gone years without using the right tools for the job. You can be one of the first to experience their life-changing products here in Australia. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code GURU20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code GURU20. Send me a message on the Instagram page or hit the link in the podcast description. Let's get those Rubik's Cubes sorted, fellas. Let's kick off the podcast. Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Today we've got our third and final instalment with Brett Finch. This part is probably my favourite part of this interview with Finchie. Talks about his time down in Melbourne. Starts in 2009, just after he's departed the Parramatta Eels. He arrives down about five or six rounds in to the 2009 season. And of course, at the end of that year, he goes on to play the Parramatta Eels in the grand final. So an incredible story that... You know, if it was going to happen to anyone ever, it was only ever going to be Brett Finch. He, of course, talks about how, you know, he was getting the match payments for the winners and the losers. You know, there was money in his pocket regardless of the result. But, of course, Finchie, he manages to lift that trophy. He plays a really, really strong hand in that game, too. He sets up the first try for Ryan Hoffman. That's got a fantastically interesting story behind it. Finchie read something in the newspaper that week about the center that he was marking up against Joel Reddy, and he just rode with it, and he set up this fantastic try. I'll let Finchie tell that story story. He talks about after the grand final, the celebrations, you know, Melbourne had their little thing and then he traveled around the world for about three weeks and just went absolutely nuts. Bucks parties, LA, he did everything. It made my head and my guts hurt just thinking about it. After the 2009 grand final and he comes back from his celebrations, 2010 rolls around and Finchie is more determined than ever. The Melbourne Storm are determined to become the first back-to-back premiers since the Brisbane Broncos in the 90s. And unfortunately, it all comes crashing down around them. As we all know, 2010, the salary cap scandal breaks and it is just like nothing we've ever seen before. And Finch's insights and his takes from that time are really interesting. It's a chat that I really enjoyed having with him. You can tell in his voice how much it hurts him. You know, he's still been the larrikin about it when we talk about it, but... 
you can tell that it still really stings him what went down in Melbourne. He then, off the back of the salary cap scandal, has to move over to England, stays there for a couple of years, and then returns to the Melbourne Storm. And hearing him talk about when he came back, and especially knowing that his career is winding up and that he's not quite up to it anymore, a really interesting and raw chat with Finchie. Even more raw, talking about life post-footy. It hasn't been easy for Finchie, but he's found his way through. His beautiful wife, Ellie, has helped him so much. I'm not sure where he'd be without Ellie. I'll let him tell to talk you about that, though. And, of course, his beautiful daughter, Mackenzie, which has just changed his life forever. This is a fantastic chat with Finchie. You know, if you enjoy this one, keep your eyes out this week. He's launching his own podcast through the YKTR platform. I think it's going to be called Finchie Uncensored. I think it's dropping on Wednesday. Guys like Brad Fittler, Paul McGregor are his first few guests. I really think this will be your favorite podcast in a few months. Finchie's going to do fantastic things on this platform. He is made for the podcast business. So check out YKTR Sports and keep track of that and support a champion bloke doing really good things with all of his experiences. If you haven't listened to part one and part two of this podcast yet go back and have a listen to it over the next few days i'll drop all three as one so you can listen to it in one hit if you would like other than that let's kick off a fantastic podcast with a champion bloke finch finch takes the shot it's got the heart it's got the leg i think it's there yes it's there red finch the hero he has kicked the field goal mate round 18 of that season you know, the Melbourne Storm, you're sitting pretty in the top four. You look over the fence of the Parramatta Eels, they're sitting 14th. Their, their record's 6-10 and 10 or something. You must be sitting sitting there going, fuck, I've made a great call here, one of my best. And then... I got Jared... five of them right. The five of them got it right. <laughs> and then... Hainsey just the plate. Yeah, Hainsey just explodes. And just like nothing we've ever seen before. Mate, I, I, I could not agree more. That period... He's had a couple of things. 2014 was another year when he won the Dallium. The period of football, or you know, the formal that you know that twelve-week period, mate. I think that's the, the greatest individual form for that short period, only the block of time ever. It was off the charts. He's chipping and chasing. He's throwing cutout balls. He's passing around the back. He's throwing no. He was doing it every week, and they had to keep winning. They couldn't lose. So it's like, oh, I it can't happen. Now. It's been going for four weeks. He won't do a fight. He kept going, and it kept, you know, and on the back of that, you got you know. Daniel Mortimer had a great season. And Fui's come along. Faletti, Inu, and the and the juggernaut continued. And, and I think Dean Lenz's game plan just opened him up and, and encouraged him to play. And Hainsey was unbelievable. Man, they scored that try against um, the first week of the semis. Yeah, Dragons. Man, he had come back and beat eight blokes. Darius Boyd was one of the great fullback defenders then. And that's in George Tumor minor premiers. He went straight through the middle of them like they were under 10, you know. Like, he was, he was off the charts... And then so happened, you know, I'm at home in Melbourne and we, don't, we didn't get Channel 9 footy live down there. So I'm watching the, the little box in Fox Sports, you know, the, the updated sports. And they're playing the Bulldogs in the major semi and I can see them winning and <laughs> we're playing the next time. I was like, it couldn't be. I played the, uh, play my former team in the, um, not only former, former team from that year, played for both teams. In, Mate, um, it would only happen to you. It could. I'm the only person to do it. What was the uh, if Parramatta would have won that? Are you getting are you getting a matchy from there? Are you getting ring? What's doing? Well, I got the runners up bonus and I got the green final bonus because <laughs> I was on both I was on both rosters and I got a boat in the car because I was down at Melbourne as well. So <laughs> it was a, it was a terrific year for me. And then obviously the salary cap stuff. I always go well. I won the grand final because I was part of um, Melbourne, but I lost the grand final because I was also part of Parramatta. But I won it because I finished with Melbourne. But if they take it off me, I lose it. But I win it again anyway because I was played from Paramount. So they have to give it to them. So, oh, mate, obviously the salary cap stuff happened. But in the end, it's 
Yeah, how I can, how it panned out like that, only I can pull something like that off. Without a doubt. Mate, we'll get to the salary cap at the moment, but that, that 2009 grand final, like, you low-key have a pretty handy game yourself. You lay on the first try for Ryan Hoffman. Um, I think you had a hand in the Adam Blair try. You took it down the left side of the ruck. You threw it back to Cooper on the other side. It must have been so exciting for you to finally win that grand final after what you'd been through at the Roosters. 100%, mate. And it's funny, I was doing a third of the work at Melbourne and getting more praise, whereas busting me ass at power and yeah. not getting the results, not playing well, and you're, you're under the pump. I was touching the ball a third of the time, so yeah, that was probably good for me because it's years to make errors and you know, more quality. And I just knew we were going to win. You know, just, I was there at the end of my career. You know, I knew the players around me. I knew the boys on the other side. No disrespect to them. I knew that the mob I was playing with was a better team than them. You know? yeah. I knew we were a better team. I knew we could do a job on Haynes, and if we could do that, we would you know, win the game. And they come back late at us. I mean, we were under the pump there the last five minutes, but we'll pretty much control most of the game. And the Hoffy try, we, we had we watched video during the weekend, and their right edge, Eric Grace is the right winger, uh, Joel Reddy was the right centre. So I'm on the left edge with Hoffy and G.I. And we've seen a bit of space between uh, G.I., uh, sorry, uh, Joel Reddy, Rocket, and um, Guru, where they defended. There's a lot of space between their centre and winger. So we come up with that play, but the play was for Hoffy to be inside Joel Reddy, GI to be outside Joel, and for me to hit GI, because that's the space we're targeting. We've practiced that all week. This was the first play we're going to do. So we practice, we go to, we go to um, morning of the game. I'm reading the paper. There's an article on Joel Reddy who's coming up against GI. Obviously, GI's the superstar of the game, dominated most opponents. I think he scored three or four tries a week before in the semi against Brisbane. And they said, How do you contain him, Joel? Well, what's the key to defending against GI? He goes, Look, you just got to stay on him. You, you, you know, it's a lot of times the centers you try and protect your half for the back. But I can't do that. I've just got to stay on GI and, and leave Jeff Robson for Hoffy. He telegraphed it for you. Well, I just read it. And, and I go to Hoff and go, Hoffy, come here, read this. And he's like, what? what? Poor old Hoffy had to spell it out to him. I said, he's going to stay on uh, GI. I said, I'm going to hit you. I said, but don't tell GI because if he's not getting the ball, he won't run as hard. You know, with GI. I said, don't tell anyone. We didn't tell anyone. I told Smithy. Um, he goes, yeah, go for it. It's there. So, GI thinks he's getting the ball. Hoffy took, you know, all because I've read this article, I've changed the play on the on the run. And sure enough, the key for me, I probably started a bit tight, but all I had to do was just get out a bit wider just to hold um, Jeff Robson on mere touch. And I sort of double pumped to hold him enough. And then I hit Hoff, which just gave him enough room on the outside. And, Brushed past Robson, we scored after five minutes and we're away. And we sort of, uh, you know, I felt really proud of that because I was sort of like the mastermind, you know, from the morning before. So it was, uh, it was a good game, and I had a hand in another game. But the good thing about that team, you do your job, you know. They don't ask for you to come up with miracles, and you, you know, each one's got a job and what the expectation is, and you, know, you just got to make sure you do it and do it well. I think that game for me, that summed up what the Melbourne Storm are. I mean, you were coming up against the Parramatta Eels, who had Hayne, who was an absolute juggernaut, and Melbourne being Melbourne went, you know, if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to beat us a different way to using Hayne. We're going to take your strength away from you and you have to find another way. Mate, without a doubt, I, I, watch, I love the NFL. Brett Favre, the old Green Bay Packers quarterback's my hero. I love Tom Brady. I love champions. I love the Patriots. And the do-your-job mentality and how Belichick, it reminds me so much of how Belichick coaches the same as Belichick. They take, you take away the opposition's strength. Yep. And that was like us. We're going, if you're going to beat us, you're not going to beat us with Hazy. So... Um, you know, for, in the NFL terms, if they've got a great wide receiver, 
you know, they'll leave the, the, the box open for you. If you're going to beat it, you can run, you can run against us, you know, but you're not going to beat us by passing to their, their strength on the, on the outside. So we, we knew that with Hainsey. We, we had a type of – we had a call for him because Hainsey loved bouncing across out and, and actually we had a soldier call. We called, we're all going to keep moving together, keep moving up because a lot of teams watch him and they watched him bounce across the line. In front, we all keep moving up. All, so we had that call. And the big thing too was if it was an offload out the back, the soldier call meant that the offloaded – Pass, but sometimes you're in a tackle and you don't know the offloads there. So the soldier comment, the ball's gone. So if you're on a tackle, get up and and find that line to fill that space in because they had some blokes who could get in in between you and on off offloads. They're playing a lot of ad lib for So at a start, we had a plan. We thought would be successful. It was really was. We took Hainsey out of the game. Uh, I certainly nullified, you know, a, a lot of those big plays that he'd had in the previous weeks. And um, you know, yeah, it, it certainly helped us to win the game. Mate, it's just amazing what Melbourne are able to do. I mean, you just explained that to me, and to be perfectly honest with you, it doesn't sound overly difficult, but there'd been 11 weeks before that where teams, they just simply couldn't put him down, could they? Well, you might have one bloke ch- chase him out of line, or, you know, he's lost two plays now. If they bounce across, all of a sudden they can put the edge under pressure. Cause just, but with Craig, it's go and get him, you know. If, you know, he's in front of you, go and get him, and that was the mentality for all of us. You wanted, we, we didn't want him to feel comfortable. Keep chasing him, you know. Um you know, that, that's the real pressure. If, you, if You've seen that try explaining us to the Dragons. The Dragons let him skip, skip across the line. And for someone like Hainsey, he's just picking his mark where he straightens and which defender he targets. So you, you, you're giving the power to him where if you keep moving forward and going after him, he's still worried about because he's got someone on his tail chasing his ass. you know what I mean? Yeah. So you, you don't give him the opportunity to relax and then look up and, and pick his mark on where he's going to go to, you know. So you, or like any great players, you've got to try and cut down their time because... You, know, you give them time and space, you know, they're just going to, you know, you might get them the first time, but if you continue to give it to them, they're going to hurt you. Imagine after that game, the siren goes, get presented the trophy, you know, lap of honour. I imagine the next two or three days, you would have had some fun. Run me I through reckon, the diary. I reckon the next two or three months, mate, it was, it was the best two months, <laughs> two months of my life, footy terms. We flew back to Melbourne, I flew back to Melbourne the Sunday. I ended up going in the cross the Sunday night. I had a mate, Stan <laughs> Sailor and Sapphire Suite. I'll get into trouble here, but it was a long weekend and it closed at five, but he kept it open for me and a few of the boys. Stayed there at about 10 in the morning. We go back to, back out to Homebush at the Pullman. We go back home to Melbourne, uh, have the, the parade with the fans. Wednesday night, we had a great party at Molly's house. And Wednesday, I went to, to Vegas for Chris Walker's Bucks party. So um, I went there for four or five days. Then we then I flew from Vegas to um, San Lucas, down in Mexico, to meet the boys on a trip away. Went back to LA for a week and then um, went back to Melbourne. It was the, the spring carnival. So, and then after that, I slept for about three weeks. So it was, uh, it was, it was, it was great. It was a great time in life. I was a single bloke, end of my career, and achieved just you know the, the only thing I'd ever wanted to achieve. That's all I'd ever wanted to do since I was a kid. Finchy, I think I'd rather do time than go to Chris Walker's Bucks party. I had a few allies there. I had, um, I had Minnie with me. Another mate, Simon Anderson. We come over so. Texas is one of my good mates, but you you got to go prepared. You can't leave yourself <laughs> one out. Texas, mate, that was a funny thing. He, the best thing about Texas, from like a hundred days out, he was texting me and Minnie in that hundred days to go, ninety-nine days to Vegas. We, and we get the point. Texas, ninety-eight days. To, we get over there, have our first big night. The next day we're at breakfast. He goes, I want to go home. I'm like, <laughs> mate, it's your bucks party. You've been in us to get us. I said, mate, I'll have my grand final celebrations come over here. You have one night. You bombarded us from a hundred days out of it. How good this trip's going to be. You have one night now. You hung over and you want to go home. <laughs> you get to the bar and go buy some tequilas. You know, like 
fucking. But uh, he was a classic Texas. You're right, but he's uh, just been with Texas as a roller coaster in itself, let alone being with Texas in Vegas as a double roller coaster. Mate, uh, yeah. When when I see him on social media now, it's a roller coaster. Just seeing what he's up to, he's just he's just a hundred miles an hour, isn't he? Mate, he's calling players out and all this. And I was like, going Texas, my good mates, you do anything for me, but geez, I, I have a laugh with some of the stuff he gets up to. Mate, obviously, two thousand and nine, you you win that grand final. You have the four or five week party after that. You're absolutely flying at. You're all over the world. Twenty ten comes back. How did it feel coming back into that preseason? Obviously, you know, no one had gone back-to-back in a long time and you, you had a really strong side there and, you know, obviously it would all go to carnage soon. But tell me about that preseason in 2010. What was the feeling? As, as, as confident as I've ever been. Um, my hunger for success. Sometimes you think you've achieved what you want to achieve. It's, now it's... See, I always say people who never win a grand final always go, I would have loved to have won one. People who win your grand final, game, I should have won two. You know, like if you never won one, all I ever wanted to do was win one grand final. Yeah. But then once I had it, I want, I want more. I'm not, and, and it, where I thought it might be, you know, I'm satisfied with that. It, it, it stoked the fire more. You know, and the hunger in the team was outstanding. The tra- like training was as hard as I've ever, as fit as I've ever been, because training was so hard down there. And started that year, we won the first five or six games or something like that. We were out of the blocks. We lost Will Chambers to Union. Dallas Johnson left. But other than that, we kept the squad. And um, I think we played the, the the Dragons, who were undefeated at the same time. Around, I think Easter Friday were both undefeated. And we, we put them to the sword. We won about 17-4 or 6 or something like that. But we, we started on fire. I really think if what didn't happen, we, we, we would have been a real good shot at winning the grand final. But as, as everyone knows, we we're only about $15 million over the salary cap. So, uh, <laughs> The funny thing was about the only time in my career I wasn't getting paid under the table and I was filthy. <laughs> the, the thing was, um, one of the one of the days I had to do the, they got me on the, um, with the salary cap, got me on the media. On the front page, I don't know if it was in the Telegraph up here or it was in the Herald Sun down there, had the, the, the garage door opening and there's a boat in GI's car. I'm oh, sorry, there's a boat in GI's garage and he's, he's got him opening his garage door and someone snapped it. Fidgy, can you explain the boat in the back of the picture in the paper in GI's garage? So no, no, that's his boat. They go, pitch, come on. We know that's the boat. He was given on the Melbourne Storm. There's a picture of him. It's in his garage. I said, mate, it's GI's boat. They said, Finchy, come on, mate. We know that's the boat. They, they give GI. I said, no, that's GI's boat. He had to buy that boat to get out to the boat that the Melbourne Storm gave him. <laughs> <laughs> so that made me laugh with the uh with the club that uh, sorry, with the club didn't go down well the joke with the club, but the, the boys had a laugh at you know, it was a tough time. You know, I was there on, I think I, was, I signed for very little money to play there. And um, it's only a reward if you're not involved, I guess. So for me, I was a bit disappointed because I wasn't involved. And, um, you know, you played the rest of that year for, for, for no points. And um, you know, for me personally, I'd sacrificed a lot of money to stay there in the hope to win another grand final. And I, it's, it was a couple of the best years of my life. And, I, you know, still be a part of that team playing for nothing. I think we still would have finished fourth help me sledging because we're smashing teams and I'm going what's wrong with you blokes you know I don't even want to be out here playing we're still flogging you so yeah. I'd say I've been on the drink all night or we'd get a penalty against us and I'd go oh they found another $200 in Smithy sock you know and I'm like <laughs> we're just and these teams are getting filthy because we're beating them we cared but we're pretending like we didn't really care you know and that must give people the shits when you know uh, you're still kicking their bums but it was a tough year in periods but um, yeah, certainly when it comes to an end everyone Everyone was exhausted. Everyone mentally, 
know, physically done and, and, and had enough. So it was, it was good to see the finish line and get the year over with. But I think we, you know, we certainly how we played and never gave up, kept that standard for the club to propel into that next decade. Mate, obviously, you know, there's a lot of peanuts around that want to make the argument, which I think is just beyond ridiculous that, you know, all the Melbourne players knew exactly what was going on. How would you respond to that? And I wasn't involved. I didn't happen. I know it happens at a lot of clubs. I'll tell you, it happens. It's got nothing to do with playing better. Yeah. Um, that's the way it is, you know. And, and, you know, it's whatever club you support. Tell me, Melbourne Storm, the only club that's won a grand final in the last 20 years that have paid under the table. There's not been one other team that's paid it. Like, come on. But we got caught. Simple as that. Yeah. The honest face facts, it happens. It would still happen right now. I'm not involved in any clubs, but I guarantee it happens somewhere. Yeah. Doesn't make you tackle hard. It doesn't make you get up and go train hard, you know. And and tell me any other business where there's a strain of trade of what you can earn, you know. Good luck if you can get the cash go for your life. It's always going to be the diehards who hate a team. And you know, Melbourne were hate. A lot of people didn't like Melbourne one because they were successful, two because they were from Melbourne, and three because they were Melbourne players uh, who were Queenslanders, and they were kicking our ass at state of origin level as well. So it's like a triple whammy down there. And, the, the team copped a lot of criticism, but we did the wrong thing, so you just got to wear it and move on. How do you respond to people saying the 2009 Premiership? Obviously, you know, it'll always have an asterisk to it, and, you know, when people say that that Premiership doesn't count, obviously, being a player and going through the entire preseason, the season, how, how do you respond to that? Uh, exactly, mate. We, we um, mate, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion. You know, we, we may be taking out the record books. I've still got my ring upstairs, and see what one, I'll tell you what, they can't take away that eight-week little dialogue I told you before about what I did after. So, you know, they're memories. Can't take away the relationships I've got with players down there. But you're right, we did the wrong thing, so people are entitled to say that. Um, and again, you're exactly right. I, I've, been, I've, I've been around the game a long, long time. Now, we did the wrong thing. So we deserve to be punished and we got caught. The excuse everyone does it, to, well, we got caught. We can't use that. We'll use the old Ben Johnson, the Seoul Olympics, you know, yeah, I cheated, but I was running in a fair race. And yes, we cheated. But let me tell you, we were playing in a fair competition. You know, we, I know from a fact, because I played with clubs in the previous years that, that had happened. And But again, you can't use that excuse. We're the ones that got caught. You got to wear that. And with that, you got to wear um, those opinions that can come with it. So that's just the fact of life. Tell me about playing with Cameron Smith, mate. He's the best player I've, I've ever seen. I don't say that lightly. I'm a new, from new, halfback from Newcastle. And I put Cameron in front of Andrew just because of the durability, longevity. He's a great leader. He's a terrific leader. He doesn't uh, – I think – I don't know if you've ever seen the, the um, final dance with the Bulls, Jordan, how he said, you know, MJ doesn't ask anyone to do anything. He doesn't already do. And that's how I summed up Freddie and Smithy as leaders. They don't ask you to do anything they're not doing. You know, they, they lead by example. And, and – I really had the opportunity to those two great leaders. Freddie was when I was young, so I was really impressionable to Freddie. But when I went to Cameron, I'm two years older than Cameron. Tremendous respect for him. When I go down there, I'm older than him. I don't look at Kim like I looked at Freddie, you know. I respect for what he's done, but he's young, younger than me. He wasn't my childhood hero or anything like that, but I respect him. But his ability after one of the first games, he come up during the week and asked me how we, how I thought we should play a team on my opinion. Now I'm sitting there going, why are you asking me? You're the smartest bloke in the team, you know. And he may not have given a rat's ass what I answered, but him asking me that, I straight away think, well, he cares about my opinion. Straight away, we'll go, there's no way I'm letting this bloke down because he, you know, he wants my input for this weekend. So I feel a part of what he's doing and the team's doing. And straight away, you know, I'm buying into everything they're doing, you know, and I'm not letting him down because 
he, he values my opinion, you know, and, and he could he had a tremendous effect whether you're Fijian, you know, Kiwi, Aussie, uh, Indigenous kids, old, young, married, single. He could talk to anyone in the room, you know, and he had a great, he could bounce in any of those sections in the, in the change room, you know, you, you get people from all walks, different walks of life, different stages of their life, different ages, but he, you know, he could sit and talk to the president or sit in the, on the street and talk to someone, you know, he had, he had a mild, he's very charismatic and he's a tremendous leader with a, with a great will to win and the best player I've ever seen, mate. He's, what's he now? Third, like they're talking about if you time, he's still, is he in the top three Dallians or something like that? You know, like he's 30, what is he, 37? He's 170 looks, but that's ridiculous in this day and age, playing in the middle, you know, like, I seen the thing in the Telegraph the other day. He's got five thousand, six thousand more tackles than anyone else in like history of the game, or since the tackles have been recorded. Six thousand tackles—that's about as many as I missed. He, he's made more than anyone else. So, um, you know, he's a tremendous player. And I think some of the shit he gets is agenda-driven. It's rubbish. What's what's he done off the field? He's been nothing but a shining example for kids. Never got in trouble on the drink. Never played. You know, never done any of this stuff. But the reason we want to have a shot at him because he's taken too long to make a decision. I'm sorry, all the journos out there. Well, Work, work by your when you want it done on your you know? schedule. Yeah. Well, they talk. Well, they talk about how it overshadows the game. You're the one talking about it. Don't don't write about it. No way to overshadow it. So I, I can't believe how sometimes we take down some of our greats with just. But that's that's league. We, no one shoots himself in the foot better than our game. We always have. Finchy, mate, I, I completely agree. He's the best player I've ever seen, in my opinion, too. Before Cameron Smith existed, did you ever think that a hooker would be the best player we, we'd ever seen? Nah, well, I'm halfback. Yeah, know? yeah, you, you, it just had to be a seven, didn't it? Had to be, you know. I, I was, you know, like something like a deer. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Like, get me words right here. Your halfback is your man. You know, like, there's been great halfbacks and great number nine. John's Baderis, Ricky Stewart, Steve Walters, Alan Langer, Kerrible. There's been plenty of them. Um, when you go back through the years, who, who else has there been? Um, you know, Freddie and Craig Wing, you know, the heart, like it's, your man was your half, you know? Yeah. You take the half out, you, you, you're gone. You know, you could take the nine out, you, could, you still had your half, you could, you could still deliver, but there it was the nine and, and he orchestrated everything. Everything went through the nine, which was no other team had done that. Your nine was your ball player, you know? And obviously they had blokes like Cooper and Billy who were sensational champions in, in their own right and, and they all come through together, but he was the big dog down there and to do what he did under such duress of how much work he would do in the position he was to have such a clear head you know you'd look at the field you'd just look at my career you'd go and watch me play you could look at me and you'd know if we're 10 points up or down I'd either be losing me shit or spitting the dummy on you go out and just if you watch camera you wouldn't know if you're up by 20 or down by 20 you don't change you know you, you know like the Roger Federer you know just he's not even sweating you know so um yeah it's, he's I always thought it'd be a seven. I never thought the sevens, but you know, you look at bikes like the desk now, you you're nine and you're number one are you know, just as important, if not as important as your, your number seven.
Mate, you talked about Smithy, about how he controlled his emotions. You wouldn't know if he was up by 20 or down by 20, just cool as a cucumber. Your coach down in Melbourne, he could have been up by 20 or down by 20, and he's still completely and utterly losing his shit up there. Tell me about your relationship with Craig Bellamy. I get on great with Craig. Still scares the shit out of me today. Um, no, I've got tremendous respect for him. Um, we're, we're really close. We still keep in contact quite regularly. I've had a few struggles post-career. You know, he's always checked in to see how I'm doing to help, help me out in any way I can. Obviously, um, his wife's on Instagram and his wife, Wendy's on Instagram. The girls, they do what they do. So we're always checking in through there and checking in on how Mackenzie's going. And it's a terrific bug, you know. It, Smith, the only two people who just take the piss at him was Smithy and Will Chambers. Mate, I'll be going, they'll make a joke about bellyache. And it'll be funny. But there's no way I was laughing at that joke in front of while well, Craig's there, you know. Craig would look at me and I go, Fitchy, is that funny? I go, mate, it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, Craig. And the will and that would go, come on, you pussy. But there's no, like, I had that in that much respect because he had that intimidation factor. You don't want to let him down, you know. Um, and you see him in the coach's box, but when he'd come down to the sheds, he'd be quite calm and he'd get his message across with what he, what he needed you to change, what you needed to improve, what you needed to do, what you needed to keep doing well. You know, he had a couple of points and, time he'd give you a spray, you'd know you were going to get it, you know. So a lot of the times when you watch back the game, you watch him in the up and down in the box, that's a totally different person we see that comes, he comes into the shed quite relaxed and calm and, and delivers his message and gets his point across and hammers home what we need to focus on for the second half. And, and again, he he's just a tremendous leader. He leads everything at that club. You know, he's the most important player, most important person in Melbourne Storm history, in my opinion, and Smithy's underneath him because he sets the tone every day, you know. He, he wipes the slate clean every year. He starts every season like he hasn't won any, anything, like he hasn't achieved anything. When you're a young kid and you see he's like that, after everything he's done, you think, well, what right do I have to come in here with me chin in the air thinking I'm a superstar? And I'm like that. So if you're a dickhead, you don't last long down there because they're, they're hardest workers are the, the blokes who have achieved the most. And, and that's really hard because when you're successful and when you're a champion, you achieve the same thing. You've got to work twice as hard just to achieve the same thing. You know, when, you, when you're coming up, of your work you can see your progress you might go from 10th to 6th to 4th you know so you keep working because you sit after you've achieved that you're now going to work twice as hard just to get that again and, and that's when it tests people's desire and work ethic and all that you know so that's why I love champions like to see what the Roosters have done and the Melbourne to be at the top never far away it's and blokes like Trent Robinson and Belly they're, they're special people and you know to, to inspire and keep driving these players, you know, and uh, they're two of the best. Mate, Craig Bellamy, when, you know, when you did sign with Melbourne, I'll be perfectly honest with you, I sort of went, oh, Jesus, I don't know, is this a good match? Is it, How's Craig Bellamy going to go with Brett Finch? You know, you've always had that larrikin about you, and of course, be, you know, Bellyache knew what he was getting himself into, but was there ever a point where you did push the envelope with him? Nah, never, mate. And, and I'm a bit smoke and mirrors with that larrikin. Like, a part of it's me, a part of it I play the game, I let, I let the reputation fuel itself and and post career you do you do the you know I was on the fox and you play you know it's a now don't get me wrong it's a large part of it's me but I play the character or I let the I let the character evolve you know I certainly don't let the rec, you know the truth get in the way of some of the, the legends you know and you go on them luncheons and that you know so you're telling the old story so no doubt that Larkin Lark was in me but when I was training or going to play footy mate I was more serious than anyone you know I was a psychopath I wanted to win that you know like so Craig knew that so that's why there's never an issue he, now he knew, you know, obviously don't go too crazy off the field, but if I'm out having a beer, he didn't care because he knew when I came to work, you know, I was in there to work and I was serious about winning. And 
that's a side not, not a lot of people never seen. They only seen this other side having a drink, having a dart, having a bet. If you didn't know your footy, the first person you look at you go, well, this bloke doesn't give a rat's ass. But you know, Craig, Craig sort of said he's talking cheese. Once you come in, you know, I did the ability to compartmentalise and flick the switch and what we need to do. What's my job here? You know, I, I, I cared deeply about footy, and you know, it was very serious to me. Mate, what's the one about the uh, the recovery session that you showed up to for a couple of minutes in Melbourne? Yeah, mate, I went to, um, back in 2013, I was going to play a bit of first reserve grade, and I was going to, originally going to catch the under-20s at the Storm, but I ended up going in the media. Anyway, I'll come off the bench this game, play Canberra. Canberra weren't going great, and they thought, we'll get Fincher off the bench, we'll give him the last 20, 50, 20 minutes, because we'll give Smithy about a break, we'll be up by then. Well, anyway, the game turned on its head, the Raiders led the whole game, Raiders won, so they we're going to take Smithy off. I go on for like a minute and a half. Right? I run on the field for one set, defend one set, games are over. So I was like eight tackles I was on the field for. So we go out there. No, I'm obviously like, it's the end of my career. What am I doing? You know, I, you know, it's, Craig's trying to help me out, give me a start. You know, like this, it was a real, real part of my career. I was struggling, you know, because I knew it was over. So I go out for a big drink that night and I come straight from the nightclub to recovery. And I'm in the jeans and going out shit. We've got the um, recovery session. Get get the ice bath. So I just get the ice bath. And I said, I'm going to do the ice bath for as long as I play. And I said, 90 seconds. And I got out of the ice bath after 90 seconds and just walked straight back to the pub. With all my jeans on, I was soaking wet. So, yeah, it was, it was, oh, I was like, let's we'd talk it up the boys, give the boys a laugh that next day. But, uh, yeah, there'd be 90-second ice baths. Um, I was actually probably in there longer in the ice bath than I was in the field. <laughs> Mate, obviously 2013, you know, you went over to England, you came back to Melbourne and, you know, this is where your career wraps up. Was there a moment in that season that you remember that you just thought, yeah, it's over? Oh, mate, I was, after I got beat by the Wigan, I, I left at the end of 2010. I was still playing really good footy. I was 18th man in origin that year. Started the year, I was in real good form. I left, the, I left through salary cap. Perfect wall, I would have stayed another year or two. And then I would have gone longer in England because I, I was done. But people talk about with athletes, you should retire a year too early than a year too late. Well, I retired a year too late, but I'm glad I did because I knew I was done. You know, I, I don't sit and go, oh, what if? I, went, I, don't, I don't have that because I knew I was cactus. You know, like I said, after about four games, I was in survival mode for the rest of the season. It's like, the season finished and it was relief. It was like, thank God. I remember playing Manly once. We were at Brookfield getting smashed. I'm good mates with Glenn Stewart. Gifty's calling the ball. They're up by 20. I look at Gifty and I was like, just a Saturday night. I've made about 40 tackles. They just hammered me. I just had enough. And I looked at Gifty and I went, please, Gifty, you know, like, just let the ball go the other way. <laughs> and Gifty let the ball go. And he started laughing. I said, mate, I've had enough. I've tackled you 25 times, Gifty. Like, just, you're up. There's five minutes to go. Just leave me. Like, he was Gifty one. We had a laugh after that. Oh, it's done, mate. And, and and if I hadn't come back, if I retired that year earlier, then I'd always thought, what if? I would have had, you know, but I don't need to because I answered that question. I knew I, knew I was done. You know? Mate, obviously, you've got one of the quickest lips, you know, the NRL's ever seen on field. Who are the guys that you had verbals with that really went head to head with you? Stick, Sticky was good as a coach because Sticky was ruthless. You know, you go straight for the jugular. I was a bit like that. Mate, I never, I had, I had a, we stick early in my career, like my third or fourth game. I come up against him. Obviously, took his position at Canberra, and we had a go. He, he come at me quite hard. I just replied, "I thought you retired when my old man sacked you." And Darren Britt actually laughed in the scrum, and I felt bad because his own teammate laughed. But he certainly got me back when he was coaching me. Mate, I can't really ever remember me and Wade at Wade Graham. 
uh, Wade had give it to me when he first came in. He was at Penrith. And I get on great now with Wade. We talk about it at the front of him a couple of weeks ago. He goes, remember that game with Legend? I mean, he was just a competitive young bloke. Uh, you know, I never really went after blokes. It was more just banty, you know. Um, like with a lot of mates I played with in different teams, like there'll be someone like Mace. If I didn't like one of his teammates, I won't mention any names, but I had a problem with one of his teammates he played with. I'd go, yeah, you're right, Mace. So-and-so is a fuckwit. You're right. But, and like, Mace looked like the bloke would turn around and look at Mace like, yeah, you're right, Mace. You're exactly right what you said about him. I'd say it at the scrum. And Mace would like, look at me. <laughs> and you'd see the next play, the bloke would be going up like, going, like what's going on? You know, like, very rarely, more was just laugh or I'd be bagging myself or, you know, taking the piss. There's never really big sledgy matches because I knew so many blokes that it was more just a bit of banter out there, you know. Mate, uh, names don't have to be said, but, but is there, there one sledge that someone gave you at some point during your career that you just look back and go, fuck, that was a ripper? No, nah, not really. There wasn't too many. Um, one night, you know, one I was feeling, James McManus, the Knights winger. I don't know if you remember, remember when the serial pest come on the field? I, tap, I played Parramatta, serial pest, the brand invader come on, he jumped on Fui Fui, my boy. Anyway, I crash tackled him, got him right under the ribs. And I got up and I knew, knew Bedsy and the boys, and I was going, Bedsy. Um, I was like, what do you mean? Be, that's going to be my only dominant tackle of the night. I was saying that about myself. I was like, oh, and I knew Jared Mullen, the boys, Gids, Kirk Gids, Gids, that's the only tackle I'll be making all night. Like, this is like two minutes into the game. Anyway, we've got beaten by the Knights, and James McManus is in the press conference, and he's used that. They go, what about this? He goes, well, it was the only dominant tackle Brett Finch made all night. And they laughed. They thought it was a stage. I went in there and said, one, you're a winger. You should not say anything. And two, you're using my material against me. So I, I went into, I went to, the, I seen it, I went to the media. I said, I want to clear this up. I'm really disappointed. <laughs> don't use my material and don't use it, especially if you're a winger. Like if, if you're Denny Bibbinaris or Kirk Gidley, I can wear it. But, um, but that, that come across good. The boys, when he's hand, and it, like if he didn't know it was come from me, it was, it, was, it was a great sledge. But I was pissed off because I bagged myself on the field and then he's used that and hammered me in the media. Mate, your very last game in 2013, uh, Melbourne Storm defeat the Titans. What are your memories from that game? Did you know that was going to be your last game of footy? Oh, without, oh yeah, I did. I, I um, trained much that week. We didn't have real contact. I had an SC joint, like your sternum and your clavicle joint, like in, in around sort of here. Uh, and, and I didn't know I, I popped it because we didn't know real training during the like contact during the week. I get into the warm up and it's real bad pain to me. We noodled up, it didn't really work. And after about a minute, I knew I was in big trouble um, with my injury. Dave Taylor, I think one of the boys come to me and I couldn't tackle just my arm. And I had to go off after about 10 minutes. I walked off that field, I knew I was done. Went and had a hot shower, went and got hot chocolate or a cup of tea or something. And, and, and I was done because I knew Gaz Whit was coming back the following week for the semis. And then once you're there, they're either going to keep winning or if they lose, they're out, you know. So I, I, I knew uh, I was done and I was quite relieved. Uh, part of me, the, the relief was great, you know. Not, not great, but I, I knew it was over and I was quite sad and, and I struggled for a period because of the loss of footy. But just the relief that, that it was done was, was um, certainly an overwhelming feeling. Finchie, obviously throughout your career, you know, your playing career and post-career, you know, the media has come after you a number of times and unfairly on a number of occasions, obviously. What would you say to the next Brett Finch that comes through that, you know, for whatever reason, seems to have a bit of a target on his back? Oh, mate, it's hard to give any advice in terms of, because when you're young, like you get, it's like when you first come in, the old players go, it goes so quick, trust me. And you're sitting there going, I'm 20, it goes so quick. We've got 15 years ahead of me. I'm going to play forever. And I thought I'd play forever, you know? 
I know you can't, but you I'm now I'm nearly eight years retired, you know, I'm nearly 40 next year. It's crazy, you know, like, things like that. You can't be sort of told until you experience it yourself. In early days, I got real protective and if you had a go at me or sledge me or negative in a comment, I'd take it, you know, I'd take it personal. Fans, you know, I'd take it personal. The media, you bag, you know, you get part, you get older, you just, we take it with a grain of salt, you know. That was great being down at Melbourne. You didn't have to deal with a lot of that out of the spotlight, but you sort of learn to play the game with the media if you have to. The, the greatest thing I've, you know, Bellyache once said about me, he goes, mate, you're like the Pied Piper. He goes, you're better than the Pied Piper. You don't even need a flute, you know. And, and I'm proud of myself because I, I was a great teammate, you know. I'll put myself in the grand final of being in the greatest teammates of all time, you know. I wasn't the best player. I made mistakes, but I know players enjoyed my company. And that's why I've got so many mates today. And, you know, when you're retired a long time, it's great to be successful and you want to win. If you're a dickhead, I'll put up with you because I want to win because I need you. Retired, I'm not catching up with you for a beer. You know, and you catch up with blokes who are good people. And you get to a point, it's not about what you did on the footy field, it's the type of bloke you are. And I know, I know I've made some errors in my life, and but um, I like to think I'm a pretty good you know, dad and a pretty good husband and, and a pretty good mate. And, um, you know, I've got plenty of friends, you know, from footy and pretty take you out of it at the end. You know, if you still work hard and be a good person, whatever happens, happens. It's never going to change the opinion of people or the power of the pen. More so now because it's a 24-hour channel. Every journal in Australia's got their own show on Fox. Back then, we, we didn't have as much at the start of my career, but there's going to be that more so now, which is great for the exposure of the game, but there's going to be times you're going to be under the pump and they've, you know, they've got their job to do with that. So, Mate, tell me about the impact that Ellie's had on your life post-footy. It's just tremendous, mate. She came in at a time which, which is, I, was, I struggled a lot with post-footy. I was lost a lot of direction. Now, people have never done it, they can say how but all I'd ever done was football. I'd never worked. I've never done anything besides what never wanted to do anything. You know, and I've struggled to get my head around doing something for money. You know, having a job just because it's a financial benefit for you. I did things because I loved it. And I was lucky enough that it paid well enough to live. But I couldn't find any avenue in, in um, any to get any sense of achievement. I had no desire to do anything because I compared everything to footy. So for Ellie come along at that time, she moved up from Melbourne, away from her family, and she stuck by me through some tough times. Um, you know, I think I'm pretty tough, but what she's gone through, it's been a lot tougher, you know, and a lot of the time she couldn't talk to anyone because she had no family up here, but then she couldn't really talk to her family because it was my personal, she felt that she couldn't talk to her family about my personal stuff, so she's been true, she's been a rock, you know, and I saw so many speeches at the wedding, you know, I honestly don't know where I'd be without her, you know, I, you know as far as the worst that can happen to people, that could have happened to me in the last six years, you know, I may not be here if it wasn't for her, and, from then, you know, we've had Mackenzie and I said, my whole life I'd, I'd always been a football player and, and that's what I wanted to do. So when that's done, and I've achieved all I've ever wanted to do, I'm sitting there going, hang on, I'm 33. I've got 70 years to live, or 50 years to live. But I've done what I wanted to do. What, what am I on this planet for? And then, you know, we gave she gave birth to Mackenzie and it's like, that's why I'm here, you know. That's the reason I'm, you know, I'm here to be a father, you know. The love you have for any kids, but for her... With little girls, it's, it's amazing. It's too hard to describe. So, um, you know, without Ellie and sticking by me, I wouldn't have Mackenzie with you know, the, the two girls in my life now. All I've been surrounded by footy players and penises in the shower forever. Now I've got <laughs> girls. My life's controlled by women. My whole life was just sharing with 20 men twice a day, just hanging out with blokes. Now I've got two girls. They run, they run my life. I'm not changing nappies. The missus got me doing something else, but... 
I couldn't be happy. It's uh, blessed to have two beautiful girls in my life. Mate, it's fantastic to see you so happy. And I guess for me, you know, one as a footballer, two as a bloke, the fact that in your career, the Roosters and the Melbourne Storm chased after you to bring them there. They don't bring dickheads there. They don't bring shit footballers and they don't bring bad blokes there. I think it says a lot about you, mate. Yeah, thanks, mate. Like I said, in the end, I, you know, whether some people thought I was good or bad, that's up for their decision. But I know one thing, I was a, I was a good teammate and I got a lot of great mates out of it, still do. And um, I feel blessed, blessed by that. And Blessed by you know eight years retirement, I still get to do things like this to tell the stories. It's it's great because it, you know, it brings a smile to your face to remember those things. So I'm, I'm uh, really grateful for you having me on, mate. I've heard Justin Harrow talk about how when he was at the Roosters squad that you know you'd treat Brad Fittler the same as you would treat you know the kid on the bench in the third grade footy side. And I spoke to you before this, like I myself grew up in North Bondi for a couple of years, and I remember me and you know my little rat mates getting around Bondi, following you boys around, and there was. You know, I, don't, I, don't if that, I don't know if that was good role models to have before and around. Oh, but mate, there was a few guys that like you, like you even knew the name of, and you'd always say hello, and it was the same, you know, Brett Finch every time, and it just means the world to people. And what you what you've done in rugby league, and what you continue to do now, you're on YKTR. I absolutely loves that. You know, you get on there, you have a few beers, tell a few stories, couple of lies in there. It's fantastic. Oh, yeah, plenty of lies. Never let truth get away with the story, but Hoz. Hoss just lives around the corner from me and started. I just Hoss was young at the Roosters, then he was coming through in the squad at Parramatta. And he, I could just, he was like me. His, his dad was Mark Iroh, New Zealand international. He loved footy. Yeah, he knew the history of like the, what's gone before you. And like I was old school, you don't speak unless you're spoken to. Yes, sir. No, no, you want to be a boy. You know, I was a tragic. Hoss was like that. So I could see myself in him. You know, obviously our careers went different ways. And I've seen him since when he was at Manly and whatnot. But I hadn't seen him for a few years. And he reached out to me, missus, on Instagram and said, hey, I heard he's to move down. What's Finch doing? So I got his number and gave him a call. It was great to catch up. He said, do you want to come on the companion? I went, what the fuck's the companion? You know? <laughs> <laughs> these blokes send me these questions. I thought, this is right down my alley. All this group of group of degenerates, they call me. I said, this is me. I'm the biggest one out of all. And, um, you know, I thought about doing some podcasts of my own, but never really knew. I didn't understand social media. Didn't want to understand it. Didn't understand the platform, setting it all up. Do I want to do it? In with Hoz a few times and then spoke to the boys about doing my own stuff uh, under you know using the, the YKTR sports platform and um, you know uh, hopefully we're going to get some out uh, around semi-final time Freddie a few of the boys hopefully Fletch Piggy some of the uh, even after the season from some of the guys like Trent Robinson and, and Cameron Smith so a bit hard to get them while they're in the bubble the boys so um, yeah so it's, it's been a great opportunity you know with friendship with Hoz has opened the door there and um, I'm in, in there with uh, Seggy and, and Isaac John and the Ice Project they've got there and, and all the uh, the shows there. So uh, that's been an eye opener to see, you know, your world, which you're probably right across the social media and all this thing. You know, I had no idea how a lot of it all works. So it's, uh, it's been fun. Mate, before I let you go, obviously, you know, you're on the companion a few weeks ago. You were also inside the Warriors camp with your good mate, Toddy Payton, and that all fucking blew up deluxe. What ended up happening there? I got thrown in under the bus. It's fucking, it fucking makes me quite angry. Toddy asked me to come up for the week, talk to the boys about stuff. I went up there, opened up about my issues, to talk to the boys how I missed being in the camp. I was quite serious all week. We played. I mean, week was done. I went home. The following week, they ring me and say, can you come up, come pick you up the Thursday? I said, mate, I can't come Thursday. I'm doing the companion podcast. They said, I said, well, I can make me way up Friday. They knew I was doing the podcast. I told them, because they said they're picking up Thursday. I said, I've got a podcast to do. I said, I can make me wait there Friday. And I was going to go back in for another week. 
They asked me to come back in for another week. I'd done one week. Of, they've come out like I've, I was in the bubble and come out of the bubble. I, I went home. I'd done me week. What my life supposed to stop to come and help you? So I did it as a favour. It, it, it pissed me off really because. They knew I was doing the podcast, and then it turned around and said, "Oh, we're disappointed in his actions. He broke the bubble. He's a pot." But you knew I was doing it. You okay? Like, um, which made me angry. And then it turned around how oh, he's had some issues post career, and it was good for him. You asked me to come up there doing your favour. What's my post career issues got to do with anything? So yeah. I got thrown on the bus with all that. So um, the shit fight, and they said, "You want to come back?" I said, "No." Well. What do you want me to isolate for two weeks at home just to go fucking sit in the bubble with you? Like, so I've got a life to live. I've got bills I've got to pay. I've got to go to work, you know? Like, so yeah, I was a bit disappointed how it, got, how it all came out and how I was thrown under the bus. But, mate, I'll tell you right now, Warriors knew I was doing the podcast. And, oh. they, yeah, and they said, we'll do the podcast and come up the next day. I said, fine. So, but anyway. Well, mate, if you've got to make a decision between giving inspirational talks to the Warriors or getting on the beers Thursday, Friday, and telling absolute <laughs> hey, talking hey, shit, you know which way to go. That's this. I mean, I did enjoy my time there. I loved it because I loved that side, and it was great. So I was disappointed I couldn't stay there, but I was behind hell. It's like it was my fault, but I did. But yeah, the, the companion started to be Thursday night. Me, Mrs. tries to organise things Thursday night now because she's, she's, she's <laughs> smart great. footy, kicked the corners, very good. It's a red flag for us. Like, oh, we'll do this Thursday night. And so she plans like early in the week. She plans to see, what are you doing Thursday night? Get in before Hoz does. But uh, now I think I'll probably be back on the companion this week. I've had a couple of weeks off. <laughs> She'll be checking the live stream to make sure you're there sooner rather than later. Well, that's the thing. I said, I'm still going. She has to get on there and go, it's finished half an hour ago. What are you doing? <laughs> I, was thinking, I was trying to sneak into the pub on the way in for a couple. I said, yeah, the footy's still going, got dark because she's a Melbourne girl. She doesn't really watch it. And now she's too smart. She just jumps on the YKTR feed and says finished 30 minutes earlier. So, right, you bastard. I'm just trying to sneak a couple of schooners in on my own. Mate, she's too good. Too good. Mate, I really appreciate your time. I've taken up an absolute heap of it. Um, yeah, mate, really appreciate your time and can't wait to hear more of you. Hopefully, you know, you're dropping some podcasts with YKTR. Can't wait to hear more from you. Really looking forward to it, mate. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. Cheers, mate. Thanks, brother. Thanks again for tuning in to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. That's the end of our Brett Finch interview. Part one, two, and three are available now. A champion bloke that I just loved having a yarn to. As I said at the start of the podcast, he's got his own podcast launching over the next few weeks under the YKTR Sports umbrella. I highly advise you get around that. Finchy Uncensored, I believe it's called. Type it up now. Subscribe to it. Strap yourself in. I think it's going to be an absolute cracking podcast one that i certainly can't wait for thanks for tuning in once again always appreciate your time remember to keep kicking the corners and as always play smart footy hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 